Good morning and welcome to today's PSA programming here on KNCI, KZCO, KYMX and KHCK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guests are Bill and Ashley Roberts, owners of Good Guys Heating and Cooling. They're here to discuss their Toys for Tune-Ups promotion, giving away an HVAC system to a family in need, and their new nonprofit, Being the Good Foundation. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Hey, this is Bill Roberts with Good Guys Heating and Cooling. I'm here with my lovely wife, Ashley. Say hi, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hey. We're, uh, we're the owners of Good Guys Heating and Cooling. We are doing a new program here to help benefit our new foundation called Being the Good. We are doing a Toys for Tune-Ups for the whole month of December, which is going to help our adoption agency called Children's Hope, which is a entity that we were able and fortunate enough and blessed with to adopt our son, Izzy. Aww. So we're really excited. And what we're doing is we're giving back to the adoption agency, and we're also going to be doing other uh, fundraisers and stuff to help kids that are actually aged out. It's a tough one for the unfortunate kids that don't get adopted before a certain age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not as cool as having a little baby and raising it. A lot of people have to take the time to understand that there are a bunch of kids out there that need our help. So what we're doing right now to start it and kick off our uh, new foundation being the good is our toys for tune-ups. You can give an unwrapped toy to one of our service techs for either a tune-up or a diagnostic of your HVAC system, and that'll go towards a child in need at the Adoption Agency Children's Hope. So we're really excited about that. So this agency is where you adopted your son, right? And where did the toy idea come from? Yes, that's the one we used to adopt our son. Awesome organization. It was funny because the first year that we had little Izzy, they called us up and said, hey, we have a toy uh, present for him. And we're like, you know, give it to another needy child and stuff. They're like, no, no, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. So that year we actually put on a, a big Harley ride, a bunch of my buddies and stuff. And we, we gathered about eight of those big black garbage bags full of toys. And when we took them in there, the gals there just started sobbing. It was, <sighs> it was a really cool, emotional thing to see. And it really opened our eyes that nobody really gives back. Right. Um, you know, we were so blessed to get a beautiful child out of this. He's crazy. He's fun, all that good stuff. And we got him at six months. But to see that, you know, nobody's given back to these kids or even given back to this organization that fights so hard as an advocate for these kids because we foster to adopt. So right. it's, it's pretty cool to see that they're very appreciative of it because they don't get a lot of help. Absolutely. I, I love that you're doing this. So once again, listeners can donate a toy and what do they get out of it? They get either a complimentary tune-up. We do uh, check on the air conditioner, check on the heater. We look at all the ductwork. We also make sure it has a full safety inspection because during the wintertime, that's when the heaters and water heaters can be actually dangerous with carbon monoxide issues. So we come out and do a full inspection of that. Or if your unit breaks down, which is normally 129 cost, for us just to come out and do a diagnostic to go through and check it, make sure what's going on with it, that actually would go towards that as well. So you can either do a tune-up or you can do a diagnostic. Now, you're doing another giveaway right now, a partnership with KNCI, and this is a big one. You're giving away an HVAC system to someone in need. Could you tell us more about that? 
We, that's another thing we're teaming up with you guys with is that we are giving to a family in need. Um, we're going to have you guys help us vet them as well. And they can qualify for a brand new heating and air system installed by the good guys. That means that they can get a brand new heater and air conditioner and if needed, ducting dependent upon it. But we want to make sure that somebody who is unfortunate right now this time of year, it's always tough mm-hmm. to help out a needy family our vendors, wind supply, and CFM distributors. So they're they're providing us with the, the unit. We're going to provide all the labor materials and everything to make sure we get it done for them. When it comes to this giveaway, who exactly are you looking for? What are some of the requirements? We come across it quite a bit, and we do a lot on the back backside of things of helping clients out and stuff like that that we don't publicize and go over and stuff. Right. But we come across a lot of people that just don't have the money right now. People that are on fixed incomes, elderly people. I live up in Placerville area and we get a lot of people up here that because of fire insurances, because of so many things after a while it becomes overwhelming that you almost can't afford to live in your own home. Right. So when we go out and these poor people don't even have heat and we're below 30 up here, we're uh, looking to help those type of people. Somebody or that, even somebody too, I would say with uh, medical issues. You know, okay. medical bills stack up. That's always a big one. Yeah. yeah. Child with cancer, things of that nature. Just somebody who really is in need of it. Um, that's why we're trying to use you guys as a conduit of vetting and helping us find those people um, instead of somebody just looking for a free system. Right. Um, this is what we're looking for. So, you know, that's definitely our goal for the 2024 year of opening our foundation, being the good, is to give back. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're very blessed, like I said, to adopt our child, to have a good life, to have good friends and family around us that we want to give back to the community with that. Oh, I love that. Now, how can they enter? They can send in a written submission. Uh, They can send in a written submission as to why they would be uh, in the running for the free system. You already mentioned the Being the Good Foundation. I know you just started this. Could you tell us more about it, why you started it, and what you intend to do with it? Basically, Ashley has been for about the last two years, babe, is that about what it was? Yeah. Has been, hey, I want to do spaghetti feeds, crab feeds, things like that to give back. And we wanted to, she was going to do it in our son's name, but we wanted to do it so we can keep carrying on after. And as our son gets older, he can help participate in it as well. But we want to basically give back to the children that are. That don't get adopted. That don't get adopted. That's the end goal. Every year we'll do the toys for tune-ups from here forward through the organization. But our end game is really focusing on working with other organizations. We work with Friends of Folsom. We work with Jake's, Jake's Human Organization, other ones. And our ultimate goal is to set up scholarships, things of that nature for these kids that do not get adopted. Because they're they're trying to change the age right now from 18 to 21 mm-hmm. Um that the county still helps and it takes care of these people, medical and everything else. But right now, 18, goodbye, kicked out, good luck. Mm. So we want to set them up in a position where... If we they, can pay for their college education, scholarship, just things to get them in the right direction. Because right. not everyone is as fortunate as our little Izzy. And like it's near and dear to our heart that we give back to some of those who just are not as fortunate. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I can think at 18 years old, I wasn't ready to be out on my own, you know, and if it wasn't for my family's help, how would I have done it? Correct. And those are the kids we want to help with this foundation. That's the primary. Honestly, Cody, if you hear these stories, you you just, it's heart-wrenching. Right. These kids are are sent on the streets with just a bag of clothes, literally a bag, a black bag (laughs) saying, here, that's their luggage. Hit the road, Jack. 
is another one where we're going to be doing luggage, a luggage drive. So just as they move from home to home, they do get shuffled a lot, these older children. So we're going to try to do that. That's going to be our next one after the Toys for Tune-Up. So we're going to do it for luggage. So we're going to, you know, give a piece of luggage, you know, just a little carry-on like you use on the planes. Right. That way they have some dignity as they go from place to place. Wow. I mean, this is incredible. These are all great ideas. I wish you the best of luck with this. Where can listeners get more information on either Good Guys Heating and Cooling or Being the Good Foundation? They can go to our website, goodguysheatingcooling.com. Um, they can look it up there. There's there's going to be the submittal page there. We, uh, we're we just getting the landing page finished up today um, for that. Um, so they'll be able to go to there. They can do a submittal uh, for friends, family, or themselves uh, for the giveaway for the free unit. And they can also go there as for our Toys for Tune-Ups, or they can call 530-GOOD-AIR. They can call that for the Toys for Tune-Ups if they want to participate in that. All right. Well, that was a lot of good information. Thank you for being here and doing this. That was Bill and Ashley Roberts, owners of Good Guys Heating and Cooling. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit goodguysheatingcooling.com. That's goodguysheatingcooling.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Morgan Lee Richardson, founder and creator of Unextinct, a new interactive experience coming to the SAC Zoo starting December 26th. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Yeah, my name is Morgan Lee Richardson. I'm the co-founder and head creative guy over at Mangolin Creative. We're a uh, SoCal-based design group, um, specifically focused on the themed entertainment industry. So theme parks, zoos, museums, aquariums, all that stuff. Um, you know, we, we all have diverse backgrounds. I've been in the industry for uh, 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, I was a, a Walt Disney Imagineer for seven years. And many of the folks on my team also came from Walt Disney Imagineering. But we worked on projects all over the world. And our, our goal now is to take all the chops and all of the, you know, the, the, the cool things and the tricks that we have from our experience working in big theme parks and bring that to zoos and aquariums, cultural attractions, especially through experiences like Unextinct. That's so cool. So let's talk about the event you have coming up at SAC Zoo. It's called Unextinct, like you just said. What is that all about? Unextinct is a celebration of wildlife. It is a narrative journey that takes guests uh, through this hidden portal to an alternate plane of reality where the spirits of animals that have gone extinct or are on the edge of extinction still roam. So you're able to come face to face with animals that have died out during the Holocene specifically, meaning that they are extinct because of human interaction. And they're going to be, you know, you know, right around you with all of these other animals that are still alive, but are on the edge of extinction. Animals like the kakapo, Sumatran rhino, and, and, and the vaquita, animals that if we don't take action now, they could go extinct just like the thylacine or mm. some of the other animals that you're going to be seeing there. So this is not only a show or an interactive experience, it's educational too? It's somewhat educational. Well, we don't want to bludgeon people over the head with, you know, facts and figures. Mm-hmm. What we really want to do is connect with people on an emotional level. So it is a narrative journey, and there's a story behind all of that. And, um, you know, for the most part, we're creating incredible visuals and a unique soundtrack that was scored specifically for this with a variety of different tunes um, to basically backtrack the entire experience. 
Right. And I imagine this has a powerful meaning behind it about wildlife extinction, our planet. This type of experience is meant to leverage art and design as a bridge to connect people with wildlife in really, really interesting ways. It's about empowering people to think that they can make a difference. And when they leave this experience, we hope that they do so with a sense of hope and optimism and feel empowered and galvanized to make a difference in their own way for the wildlife and, uh, you know, the, the, the planet. It's, it's really all about that. It's about taking people who maybe weren't that interested in the zoo before, or didn't really know much about wildlife or even care about wildlife and turn them into conservationists in their own right. Could you talk about some of the animals featured in this exhibit? Absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's important that it is a mix of animals that are truly extinct and we're bringing them back to life through our, our illusions. And then animals are imperiled, right? There are hawksbilled sea turtles. There are manta rays. There are pangolins, which is the world's most trafficked mammal, right? Right next to the dodo bird and the thylacine, saber-toothed tiger, animals that we, we know are extinct. And it's important for people to see, like, you know, if we don't take action, something may happen to these animals here, and they may end up like the rest of these species, animals that you can only see through experiences like this. Obviously, the zoo itself has an incredible array of, of species that are endangered, that are there as ambassador species that people can come face to face with and feel that emotional connection. And we're doing that as well with Unextinct. You know, these animals are there for people to, to, to see them behave in natural ways. And in some cases, for the first time in 100 years. Wow, I love this. So would you label it a show or is it more of an interactive experience that listeners walk through? It's a walkthrough experience. It's, it's a nighttime immersive experience on par with something that they may see in a theme park. But it's here locally at the Sacramento Zoo in your backyard. Now, is this for all ages? Absolutely. Yeah, it's for the whole family. But I also think it's 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 perfect for a friend's night out with your buddies, have a drink, have some interesting food and see an incredible experience. This is perfect for that. It's great for a date nights, for, you know, empty nesters, for, you know, Instagrammers. It, there's mm -hmm. there's all sorts of everything for everybody here. So I, you know, I recommend that everybody come out and see it. Great. When is it? Well, right now we are we're loading in the show and it's going to open up December 26th the day after Christmas, okay. and it'll run through March 9th. Uh, that's uh, Thursdays through Saturdays. Great. This is a perfect Christmas gift. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can buy your tickets now. Tickets are available online at unextinctlive.com. You can buy your tickets, plan out ahead, or, you know, you can get your tickets the day before. All right. This sounds fun. So one more time, where can listeners get their tickets, and when is it running? It is running from December 26th, day after Christmas, through March 9th, online at unextinctlive.com. All right. Thank you. That was Morgan Lee Richardson, creator of Unextinct, which is coming to the Sac Zoo. If you would like more information, visit unextinctlive.com or saczoo.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Carlos Eliasim, spokesperson with the City of Sacramento Department of Utilities. He's here to discuss the city's fall and winter watering schedule down to one day per week, water saving tips, and the rebates. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Carlos Eliasim. I'm a spokesperson for the City of Sacramento Department of Utilities. And we are a city agency, obviously, and we provide drinking water, stormwater, and wastewater services to residents and businesses in the city of Sacramento. Now, what should Sacramento residents keep in mind this coming season? How will the weather affect their water usage? 
Well, I think the biggest thing is that this past week, the city's watering schedule changed. So it went from a summer-based schedule to kind of a fall-winter-based schedule. So basically that goes from uh, being able to water landscapes twice a week during the summer to um, only being able to water landscapes uh, once a week. And um, part of that is uh, we have shorter days uh, coming up, uh, much shorter once uh, daylight savings hits. Uh, and then we also have uh, cooler temperatures. A few things for people to keep in mind as, as kind of we're going into the fall and winter season. Plants, landscapes, that sort of thing generally need a lot less water. Now, could you go into a little more depth on the one day per week watering schedule? Yes. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is the city of Sacramento actually has a year-round watering schedule. Um, so that's something that's required for residents and businesses. That's um, that's a, a city of Sacramento law. And basically, there's a fall and winter version of the schedule, and then there's a spring and summer version of the schedule. And during the spring and summer, those that schedule is determined by ad- address. Um, but in the uh, fall and winter, um, it's uh, basically uh, you can only water one day per week, um, and that watering should take place uh, on the weekend, so Saturday or Sunday. Um, and residents and businesses aren't allowed to water uh, during during the weekday. That will go from November 1st through the end of February. And uh, what we actually recommend for a lot of the use case scenarios is that uh, people can actually turn their sprinkler systems off altogether because uh, we have, during most normal years, we have generally enough precipitation uh, to uh, meet the, the watering needs of, of landscapes. Right. What can you tell listeners who are worried about their landscapes that they won't be healthy or green by reducing their watering schedule to once a week? Uh, I think the first thing is just knowing that uh, because we have cooler temperatures, um, you know, we can get pretty chilly here in Sacramento. Um, but uh, during fall and winter, it tends to be cooler. The days tend to be very, very short. And uh, what happens there is that plants, including grass, um, generally need a lot less water just by default in fall and winter. And like I mentioned before, some people can turn off their sprinklers altogether and still maintain healthy green lawns. You know, all, all their plants uh, will generally be fine. Um, the other thing that people can do is uh, if they're a little bit worried about it, they can always give it a little bit of extra water throughout the week uh, by watering by hand. Um, you can basically water by hand anytime, um, regardless of, of the watering schedule. So that's that's watering with like a hose and a, a shutoff nozzle, that sort of thing. So that does two things. You know, it saves water, but it can also um, help keep lawns healthy. Overwatering is definitely a thing, especially in the winter months, um, because if you do have rain and then you're watering, um, the soil can get a little too saturated and then it's not uh, great conditions for, for those lawns. Are there consequences if residents or businesses don't follow the watering schedule? Uh, yes. So there, there are consequences. Um, but I think the first thing uh, to mention is that um, we do as much as we can to educate um, residents and businesses first. We essentially try to avoid fines, especially during the winter time um, and especially during a non-drought time. We find that uh, a lot of the times people don't know uh, one about the watering schedule, and two, sometimes they may not realize that um, you know they're they're kind of keeping the same schedule, and the landscape doesn't necessarily need it coming into the the winter months. And because of that lack of awareness, again, we just try to make sure to let people know. Here's what's going on. If we do notice it, there's things like, so there are fines, but before we do any fines, we do um, like kind of a notice of violation, basically letting people know, here's what, what the schedule entails, here's what you should be following, those sorts of things. If it does get to the point where uh, fines need to come in, um, that's generally for repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, those those fines can be anywhere from $25 
up to $500, but that really depends on how severe or how frequent people are, are, are violating those. And the thing there that people can do just to let us know if they see people wasting water, maybe they're watering uh, during the week, watering when they're not supposed to, they can report it uh, by calling 311. Um, they can use the 311 app uh, or they can email that over, over to us. And what's that email address? Uh, the email address is 311 at cityofsacramento.org. Perfect. And once a resident is made aware of the watering schedule, do you offer any additional water-saving tips or information? Yes, absolutely. So like I mentioned before, we do everything we can to um, try to educate people first. Um, and some of that education also comes with assistance. And there's a few things um, within that. Uh, but basically, if, if you are contacted by the city, you know, we send out that, that notice, um, you can call us. And you can take advantage of our, uh, we have house calls. So we have staff that can actually come to your house, um, help you figure out, um, you know, what the most appropriate time for watering is, check your house for leaks, check your irrigation systems, just to make sure everything's uh, working well and kind of help help advise on that. So the first thing, you know, if somebody is, is made aware of, of the watering schedule, the first thing to do is really to adjust your, your sprinkler timing. Um, so again, uh, Saturday or Sunday, you can only water once per week. But uh, basically, if you're using shorter cycles, especially in the wintertime, especially if it's already rained, there's there's a little bit of a caveat there that I'll mention a little bit later. But um, adjusting the sprinkler timing so to make sure that you're not having water uh, run off into the street. Uh, if the soil is already saturated um, and it can't hold anymore, then oftentimes that will happen. The next thing is tracking your water use. So we actually have a website um, or an app that people can download, and they can track how much water they're using. Uh, you can even set up a leak alert for that. And then a few other things, you know, obviously fixing leaks around your home, that can be a, a, a good way to prevent more water use needed. And we also have a lot of rebates. Um, I know I've mentioned um, to you before in the past that we have uh, lots of indoor and outdoor rebates that people can take advantage of if they're looking to save even more water. Speaking of rebates, what sort of rebates are available to City Water customers, and are there any limitations? We've got a lot of rebates. There's rebates to uh, replace your lawn with uh, drought-tolerant landscaping. People can get up to three grand for that, and it saves a lot. So um, uh, drought-tolerant landscaping will use about a third less water than uh, your lawn. So that's kind of a big savings there. Uh, we have rebates for smart irrigation controllers. There's a drip irrigation. Uh, we have rebates for indoor stuff as well. So there's faucets and fixtures. Um, sometimes you can get them for free. Uh, we have washing machine, toilet rebates. There's, there's lots of different ways uh, for people to take, take advantage of those. As far as limitations are concerned, uh, the first thing is, is uh, people have to be a city Sacramento water customer. Um, if you're not sure if you're a water customer, just opening up your utility bill, it'll say city Sacramento or otherwise. Um, so people have to be a city Sacramento water customer. And generally, a lot of property owners will take advantage of our rebates, um, but that's not to say that bill paying tenants, so um, renters of houses, that sort of thing, um, can't take advantage of it. It's just that uh, they have to have written written permission from the, the property owner. Rebate funds can be limited depending on the rebate. Uh, some of our rebates run out pretty quickly. And the biggest thing with any of our rebates is just to check to make sure, one, that your, your project qualifies, it meets all the requirements, that sort of thing, and then two, uh, retroactive projects don't qualify. So you can't start a project and then apply for a rebate. It has to be essentially pre-approved. 
We've heard a lot of great water saving tips today. What are some key takeaways about water conservation you want the public to know as we settle into fall? That's a good question. I think uh, the biggest thing is that most of water use happens outside the home. So more than half of water generally for, say, a single family home is being used uh, on lawns and landscapes. So that's why it's so important to stick to the the city's watering schedule. A quick fact, I think I've mentioned this before, but basically one sprinkler head for a a lawn um, can equal as much as one shower head. Um, And you imagine, you know, you could have a couple sprinkler heads, depending on the size lawn, to a dozen. So you're you're almost using that much water per sprinkler head uh, as you would for one shower. So you can start to see where that, that starts to add up. I think... The other thing to know is that, uh, you know, we try to make sure that these programs and services are available to a lot of different people in a lot of different types of situations. Uh, there's there's a lot of options for, for anyone who's looking to reduce their water use or just make their water use more efficient. Now, where can listeners find the watering schedule and more information on how to reduce water use? So the first place uh, people can go to is our website, and that's cityofsacramento.org slash utilities. And there will be some information on there that will include the watering schedule, that will also include any of the rebates and some information for how do people, uh, how people can, can get a hold of us. If, if you just don't know where to go or maybe that URL is too long or too complicated, people can always call 311 and that will connect you to uh, the City Sacramento Customer Service if you're in calling within City Sacramento boundaries. And they'll direct you to a water conservation expert. Um, they can uh, help walk people through a lot of the details that I mentioned today. They can also email us. Uh, so that email address is waterconservation at cityofsacramento.org. They can ask for tips. They can ask questions. They can ask for help, concerns, those sorts of things. So there's, there's lots of different ways that people can get more information or get a hold of us. Great. Thank you for all the good information. That was Carlos Eliason with the City of Sacramento Department of Utilities. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit sacwaterwise.com. That's SAC, spelled S-A-C, waterwise.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of this station. My next guests are with the Light the World Giving Machine. They'll explain what that is, when it's coming to Sacramento, and how you can get involved. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourselves and provide a little background on what you do? Well, I'm Nancy Penny. And I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we are a lay church. So all the members get to perform different jobs in the church, and my job is civic and governmental liaison and outreach. And with that comes a lot of humanitarian and public service. So I'm involved in a lot of the, um, the outreach from the church into the local communities to try and provide relief to those in need and goods and services. Great. I'm Karen Edwards, and I'm the Community Engagement Manager at St. John's Program for Real Change. My responsibilities include what I am doing right now, just reaching out to the community representing St. John's. I manage a large number of volunteers that come to our campus every day, and I work with organizations and churches, liaison with them, as well as work on our e-newsletter and write stories about our women. Could you tell me a little more about St. John? What does the organization do exactly? Yeah, so St. John's is the largest residential program in the Sacramento region that focuses exclusively on women and children. These are the most 
vulnerable and often invisible population of the homeless. And um, we are all about ending the generational cycle of trauma and homelessness, specifically women and children. And we provide a safe space for the women and children to heal and to develop the skills necessary to transform their lives. And um, part of that is by um, uh, having a year-round program specializing in mental health and recovery support, a hands-on employment training, and also family child development for our women and children. Oh, wow, I love that. And you're located here in the Sacramento region, correct? We are, yes. Now, the both of you are here today to talk about the giving machine. Let's jump right into it. What is that? Well, the giving machine is a vending machine, but instead of buying a candy bar or a bag of chips, you can buy polio vaccines, meals for the homeless, or even a baby goat. Uh You can help someone else in need. And we're so grateful to be partnered with organizations like First Step Communities and St. John's, and we are so grateful to have them on board with the giving machines this year. Great. Now, where is the giving machine vending machine located this year, and how long will it be there? It's located at the Westfield Galleria Mall in Roseville. It will be there from November 15th through December 10th. What's the history of the giving machine? How did this idea come to fruition? Well, the first giving machine was established in 2017. And since that time, we've gone from one giving machine to 56. This year, there are 56 giving machines, most of which are located in the United States, but there are some in other countries. And they've been very successful in that they provide people with an opportunity to donate to those in need, particularly at Christmas time when everyone is so much in the giving mood. Right. Now, what made you get involved with the giving machine? You know, I just love working with organizations and with initiatives that can provide relief to those in need. And one of the great things about these giving machines is that the bulk of the charities are local. So the donations that people make go to their local communities, and they can see the difference in their local communities. For instance, last year, Placer Food Bank was one of our um, charities, and the giving machine provided them with 328,000 meals for local homeless people. And how successful has it been? How much has been donated? Do you have other numbers from, say, previous years? I think that we really tend to count the success by the items that are purchased. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the 328,000 meals. Also, 1,226 coats to aid homeless and refugee families in the winter time. 430 bus passes, all kinds of items and things to help the homeless and to help those in need in this area. That's incredible. I would say that's very successful. So what are some of the options this year? What can people donate to through the machine? Okay, they have a variety of things that you can donate through the machines. There are four local charities and three international or global charities. The local charities are St. John's Program for for Real Change which Karen was just speaking about. And for that particular uh, charity, you can donate a baby comfort kit, baby formula, educational toys, hygiene essentials, or light rail passes. Then we have a number of other local charities, First Step Communities, which sponsors the Miller Park Safe Ground, North A Street, and The Grove. Those items include things like a hot shower and clean towels for the homeless, underwear, winter coats, laundry vouchers, kitchen starter kits, 
Faster Food Bank is repeating with us this year. Um, we were so successful with them last year, and they um, are an organization that feeds lots of other smaller food banks. So we're grateful to have them with us again this year. And for them, we've got snack backpacks, produce bags, family food boxes, disaster food boxes. And then if you really want to go all out, you can buy 2,000 meals for the homeless. Our fourth local charity is South County Services. And South County Services is a community-based organization that offers services to promote employment, health, and economic sufficiency for the underserved populations in Sacramento and um, the surrounding counties. And their items are first aid kits, small propane stove, an adult bike, an insulated cooler, or a portable solar charger. A great variety and a variety in prices for those items. It goes anywhere from $7 to $250. Okay. And then some of our most exciting stuff, one of the things that everybody loves to purchase, uh, we have goats for families in Africa. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. That's fun. And the goats provide the families with um, a means for providing for their families Mm -hmm. by breeding and selling milk from the goats. I love that you include a ton of local charities. It's so important to the region. But you have some global nonprofits as well, right? We have three global charities, UNICEF, which most people are familiar with, which is the United Nations Children's Fund. For UNICEF, you can purchase 100 polio vaccines from the machine, which is just amazing. And those will be given to children in uh, third world countries. And then one of our other global charities is Mentors International. This is actually the one that has the GOAT. And Mentors International go into areas and they try to lift generations from poverty to self-reliance and prosperity by mentoring them, helping them to create businesses. And their items include baby goat, bag of seeds, fruit tree, irrigation supplies, all things that they can use in their areas to create businesses and to create uh, commerce. And then our third global charity this year is IDE. IDE is an organization that powers entrepreneurs to end poverty. By powering entrepreneurs, I mean they encourage them to develop processes, procedures, items to create income and livelihood opportunities for poor rural households. And their items are shovels and a farmer's wagon. So those are our our global charities, all wonderful organizations out there doing good in the world. And we're so grateful to be associated with them. Now, how much of the proceeds go to these causes and organizations? 100% of the proceeds go to the causes. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints puts the bill for everything else. Now, let's go over the details once again. Where is the giving machine in the Sacramento region this year, and how long will it be there? Um, I think I said previously November 15th. It's actually the 16th. opens November 16th. On December 10th will be the last day in Roseville at the Roseville Galleria Mall. And then on the 10th, it will move, or on the 11th, it will move to Modesto, the Valley Fair Mall in Modesto. Okay, so it's like a traveling machine. It is a traveling machine this year, yes. Now, where can listeners get more information on the giving machine? Do you have a website, social media? We do have a website, and it's kind of a long URL, but I will give it to you. Okay. Probably if they just type in giving machines, you'll come up with lots of information. Got it. Our our actual website URL for the Sacramento area is Giving Machine Greater Sacramento Modesto dot org. Now, where can listeners get more information on St. John's? 
Well, we also are on social media and we have a website as well, stjohnsprogram.org. If you go to the uh, website for the giving machine, they have a link to all of the organizations that are represented. You can just click right on there. It will take you straight to our website as well. Now, if you want more information on the Giving Machine, I'll repeat the website. It's givingmachinegreatersacramento.com. That's givingmachinegreatersacramento.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Julio Martinez, Executive Director of the ScholarShare Investment Board. He's here to discuss the CalKids Fund and ScholarShare 529. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Julio Martinez, and I'm the executive director of the ScholarShare Investment Board, uh, which oversees California's college savings plan, ScholarShare 529, and its various programs like the new one we just recently launched called CalKids. Great. So what is CalKids and why was it created? CalKids was designed and launched uh, last year thanks to the leadership of Governor Newsom and the legislature who decided to help every newborn born in the state and also low-income public school students kind of begin the college savings process by giving them an account automatically created in their name with a deposit already in it. And so uh, in year one, we created over 4 million accounts and invested over $2 billion in their names. And so the goal of the program is to really inspire more children in California, especially those from low-income households, to think about higher education and pursue it and hopefully begin the college savings process because, as you know, higher education is increasingly becoming more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of view this deposit and the, these accounts as an investment in our children because in the end, if these kids do grow up and pursue their higher education dreams, California will be better off. Right. So who's eligible for CalKids? So CalKids has two uh, groups that we that are eligible. The first one is Every newborn baby born in the state of California beginning July 1st of 2022, they will have an account created automatically and with a deposit uh, of up to $175. The other segment includes low-income public school students enrolled in first through 12th grade. Now, when can CalKids funds be used? CalKids funds must be used for uh, higher education purposes. And by that, we mean anything from technical schools, community colleges, apprenticeships, and of course, college. And so they can be used specifically for items related to that pursuit of education, right? So that can include books, tuition, fees, and even computer equipment. And how can someone find out if they're eligible for CalKids? Great. So we encourage families, if they're curious to see if they're eligible, to go on our website, which is www.calkids.org. And we have what we call a, uh, an eligibility tool where you can punch in some information and see if you're eligible. So that information that you're going to need depends on whether, you know, you're a parent of a newborn baby or a parent or the actual student that's enrolled in a public school student that may be eligible. So for, for parents of newborn babies, all you need is what they call the local registration number. And this number is actually located right on the birth certificate. It's on the top right-hand corner. If you grab that number and just type it in, it will tell you if you're eligible. Oh, wow. If you're a public yeah, so if you're a public school student uh, or a parent, because a lot of these kids are old enough to register themselves and claim their money themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you have statewide student identifier, which is a number that, that schools have, it's usually on the parent portal, on the website, or on a report card. But if parents aren't familiar with that, they can just go to their school and get that number, type it in, and they can see if they're eligible. 
Okay, easy enough. Can I add to a CalKids account? Okay, so CalKids account is an account that was created by the state and is owned by the state. So Mm -hmm. uh, under the child's name, right? And so that account um, will remain in the name of the child and will be there and grow over time. So when the the, the child is ready to go to, to school after high school, it'll be there for them. They can just make a simple transfer to that school. However, parents are not able to deposit money into that account. What we do encourage parents to do is to actually open their ScholarShare 529 account, which is uh, California's official college savings plan. And so we encourage them to save there, open an account there and save there. And because we created a special parent portal on our website, parents can actually link their CalKids account with their ScholarShare 529 account. And once they link that, they can view both balances in one location. Now, what is ScholarShare 529? How is that different? Yeah, so ScholarShare 529 is California's official college savings plan, and we've been around since 1999. So we've been around for 24 years. And back in 1999, the state of California decided to help parents who were struggling to pay for the actual cost of a college education. Back in the day, we, you know, I think California recognized that a lot of families were taking on a lot of student loan debt and that it was becoming a lot more unaffordable. And so what the state decided to do was create a special tax-efficient college savings plan to help families prepare financially for that for that challenge, right, of paying for school. And so what we do is we offer a savings account that is specifically designed for higher education. It's like the 401k, but instead of retirement, this is really for future higher education. And again, this is for education if it's in a community college, if it's for, you know, four-year school, private. All of the earnings that are earned in a 529 plan are tax-free, both at the federal and state level. And therefore, it's important that they, you know, families recognize that because contrary to a regular savings account, these savings are tax efficient and can actually end up with more money in their account at the end of the day when their kids go off to school. Wow, that's that's really important. So where can someone go to open a 529 account? To open a ScholarShare 529 account, we encourage families to go to ScholarShare529.com. We have a lot of tools. We have videos. We have a lot of information about how just how easy it is to open a ScholarShare 529 account. And then, of course, in there, we also have links to CalKids. And so if you think your family is eligible for a CalKids account, not only can they open their ScholarShare 529 account, but they can also check their eligibility for the other program and then link those two accounts if you are. So we just encourage families to go to ScholarShare529.com. Can you link a CalKids and ScholarShare account? And if so, how do you go about that? It's very simple. It only takes a few minutes. So, for example, let's say you find out that your baby uh, or your second grader is eligible for a CalKids account, right? So you check your eligibility. All you need is some really basic information, and it really just takes five minutes to check if you're eligible, but also to claim your money. Because we already have the account. The account is already created automatically in their name. So once they log in and say, wow, my child does have $500 in, you know, his or her account. Then on there, there's a link that says link an existing or new ScholarShare 529 account. There you can click on it. And if you already have an account, you're good to go. All you have to do is just type in your information for that account, such as your user ID and your password, and you're in. If you don't have one, that's your opportunity to open one. So I'll you know, open your account. And it only takes five to ten minutes to open a ScholarShare 529 account. And all it takes is $1 just to get started. In case families are a little nervous about opening their 529 account the first time, it only takes $1 to, 
to to open the account. Now we encourage families to save more than that just because you know the cost right. of higher education is rising. But it's really that simple. Then you just link them, and then you can see both balances in one location. And why should families take advantage of this opportunity? It's important that families start thinking about the financing part of higher education. I think we all recognize that that individuals that pursue any kind of higher education beyond high school will be better off in the long run financially and just in an upward mobility standpoint where they'll have more opportunities as they get older, right? So, But the thing is, higher education continues to rise in terms of cost. And so one of the things that families tend to believe is that there's plenty of financial aid out there. And the sad reality is that while there is financial aid, uh, 60% of financial aid packages on average come in the form of uh, student loan debt. And so what we encourage families to do is just start thinking about how much can they save as a family. You know, even if it's just a little bit, it's important to just start thinking about saving because every $1 saved means that it's one less dollar borrowed, right? Mm -hmm. And in the end, their children will be better off because our children here in California are owing way too much money as they graduate. And that impedes their, their ability to buy houses, buy their first new car. Right. And you can request, uh, you know, our assistance. You know, we can either train your team. We can provide webinars for your families. Uh, we also have a toolkit that has flyers, you know, sample uh, email messages, and social, social media messages. So we've designed this program to become really user-friendly for not only the families, but also the, the, pa- the partner organizations that want to help us reach these families, too. Now, how can families find out more? So to learn more about CalKids, we encourage families to go to uh, www.calkids.org. And on there, we have a lot of information about the program, you know, who's eligible. And again, we also have an eligibility tool where families can see if they're actually eligible. But just to, you know, check if you're eligible, it's just super easy. You need some basic information. So we just uh, want families to visit the website and check their eligibility and claim their money. Again, these accounts are already created. We've received this data from the Department of Public Health and the uh, California Department of Education. And so with that information, these, uh, these accounts were automatically created. All you have to do is claim these monies and they're free monies on behalf of the state of California. And so we encourage all families to check. And again, what's the website for CalKids? The website for CalKids is www.calkids.org. Great. Well, thank you for being here and doing this. That was Julio Martinez, Executive Director of the ScholarShare Investment Board. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit ScholarShare529.com or CalKids.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Dr. Elizabeth Clotus, a cardiologist and founder of Step One Foods, which is a product line that helps lower cholesterol using food, not just drugs. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Sure. So I'm Elizabeth Clotus. I'm a practicing cardiologist. I trained at Mayo Clinic and Johns Hopkins. I've been in practice for almost 25 years. And um, in, in addition to my practice, I also started a company, Step One Foods, that helps people reduce their reliance on medications for conditions they could solve with food. Fantastic. So let's talk about Step One Foods first and foremost. What are these products and what made you want to start this line to begin with? So, you know, when when I went to medical school, I didn't set out to start a food company. You know, I yeah. went to medical school because I wanted to cure people. Sure. And honestly, to do that, I spent a lot of time learning how to prescribe drugs. But as it turns out, the conditions that I treat, you know, like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, these are not caused by a lack of 
of drugs. These are all caused in part or in whole by the lack of the correct foods. Um, And if you're going to cure someone, you really have to address the root cause of the problem, not just cover it up with a bunch of pills. Um, And, you know, and kind of getting to the topic we're going to discuss today, which is, you know, how to not be duped in the grocery store. I mean, what I realized was my patients, you know, were trying to eat better, but they were failing. Mm. And it wasn't all their fault. Um, And so I decided to, you know, that someone had to provide them with foods that are truly effective, not that just make claims, but, you know, ones where the claims are actually backed by real science. And that's how Step One Food started. And our first line of foods really is meant to help address high cholesterol, which affects 94 million Americans. I mean, it's kind of crazy how many of us have this issue. Yeah. So talk about some of the products that are in the line. First of all, these are the same types of foods that people are eating already and buying already. Right. Convenient things like instant oatmeal, pancake mix, granola, snack bars. And they're made from real whole food ingredients. These aren't funky powders. These are real foods. But what's different is that they're specifically formulated to lower cholesterol, to actually mm. affect a health change because we combine the right ingredients in the right amounts, right? So, um, you know, so, so these foods are very nutrient dense and just two small servings a day can impact cholesterol levels. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, and this is, you know, the whole idea was not to upend how people live. It's just help them do what they already do be way more impactful and better for them. And what's really exciting is that what we've shown through rigorous testing, the type of testing reserved for evaluating pharmaceuticals through trials carried out at institutions like Mayo Clinic, that eating these two tiny servings a day of step one foods can yield highly, highly significant cholesterol reductions in just 30 days. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've seen people drop their LDL or bad cholesterol by 40 plus points. Now, not everyone's going to have this effect, but look at what's possible with food. I mean, these are medication level reductions. And for people who can't take cholesterol lowering drugs, don't want to take cholesterol lowering drugs, or they're not a goal despite maximum tolerated doses. I mean, something like this can be a game changer. And it's just food. It's just food. Yeah. Now, I think I already know the answer to this question, but would you argue that nutrition is a better solution to, say, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high sugar versus medication? So I'm not anti-drug. I prescribe medications all the time. But what I would say is that unless you address the root cause, you have no chance of, of, of truly curing someone and healing them, sure. right? Medications in many ways are, are you know, they cover things up. They're, they're just pretty wallpaper on crumbling walls. You have to fix the walls. Um, so so I, I see it as, as two things coming together, but foundation is nutrition and food affects everything, right? Like you think about Lipitor or statins. I mean, these are one hit wonders. What do they do? They lower cholesterol. What does eating right for cholesterol do? Well, it lowers cholesterol. It also helps you lower blood pressure, improve blood sugar control, lose weight, right? Food is the, is, is the comprehensive solution to a complex problem. Mm-hmm. And, and if we change the, the food environment, look, we, we exist in a very dysfunctional food environment. We are surrounded 
by hyperpalatable, nutrient-poor, calorie-dense foods that are, you know, ubiquitous. You can find them everywhere. They're advertised nonstop. They're yeah. cheap and convenient. Like, what could go wrong? And it's the health of our country is what can go wrong. So, so we have to find a different way. And that's what Step One Foods is trying to do, something different. Got it. Well, I love that. I love the sound of it. Now, what should people be looking for in their food to help improve their health? Are there certain nutrients that are better than others? You know, if I were to summarize what the best diet is, you know, everyone's different, right? Like some people do better on a higher protein intake. Some people do better on a higher carb intake. It's not one size fits all. But if there's a general eating philosophy, you know, the the best I've ever heard is seven words long. And it's and I didn't invent it. It comes from Michael Pollan, who's written multiple books on on nutrition. And it's actually the subtitle of one of his books. And the and and the book is In Defense of Food. And the subtitle is seven words long and it's eat food, meaning eat real food, food that your great grandmother would recognize as food. She wouldn't recognize 80% of what's in a grocery store these days, right? Mm -hmm. So eat food, not too much, right? There's no need to stuff ourselves at every meal and then mostly plants. Right. And and if the major if you eat a plant forward diet so that the majority of what you're consuming are beans and lentils, leafy greens, fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts and seeds, all in their most whole and unprocessed forms, you're going to be fine. You want to have some chicken? Great. Have some chicken, you know, cook it from scratch if you can. You want to have an egg from time to time? It's fine, right? It's but the preponderance of what's landing on your plate should be plant-based, whole and real. Now, let's talk about labeling on foods. I know we've all seen low calorie, low sodium, light, natural, organic, and I've read that these can be misleading. So what are the different types of misleading health messages and labeling on food packages that shoppers should be aware of? It's funny. You you mentioned a couple of, of the ones that, that I kind of rail against, right? Low in sodium helps lower cholesterol, only 100 calories per serving, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yet as a cardiologist, all I do all day long is, you know, treat high blood pressure and high cholesterol and people trying to lose weight, right? Like this, this should tell you something. And, and I think the biggest lesson we can take away is don't look at all the health messages on, on food packaging. These are more marketing type than straightforward nutrition guidance. They are designed to sway a purchase decision, which mm-hmm. is in a grocery store typically takes three to five seconds. So my first rule is the more the item shouts about how good it is for you, the more skeptical you should become. You know, after all, right, like the the healthiest foods in a grocery store, all those fruits and vegetables somewhere at the back of the at the store, you know, carry no claims at all. So the claims don't help you. Interesting that these labels are even allowed. Do they follow FDA guidelines? Yeah, so so it's very interesting, right? So there are guidelines around fiber, you know, around sodium, things like that. So different levels get you to, you know, to to make a, a statement about that food. But, you know, for for example, you know, reduced sodium, what does that mean? Well, it means that the that this product has 25% less sodium than the original item. Okay, well, that's good, right? It's, it's less sodium, but if the original item had 1,000 milligrams of sodium per serving, which is not unusual for like a can of soup, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the new version or the reduced sodium version has 750 milligrams. 
that's actually not that much of a reduction given that the recommendation is that we all should be eating, you know, consuming under 2,300 milligrams. So, you know, you're, you're, the can of soup was half. Now you're maybe at, you know, a third, wow. but, but it's still a lot of sodium. Now, what tips do you have to become a better food shopper and navigate today's deceptive food landscape? Well, I think my first big rule is always read the ingredient panel, right? And right. and I guess, you know, it's impossible to do this for every single product you put in into your cart every single time, but gradually get familiar with what you're with what's landing in your cart. The more that ingredient panel list sounds like it came from a chemistry book, right? The less <laughs> of it you should have. I mean, some of the some of the ingredients, to be fair, are maybe fortifications and vitamins can sound like chemicals, but Foods that need a lot of fortifications are foods made from ingredients that are devoid of nutrients to begin with. Mm. So, you know, adding a lot of vitamins to a highly processed sugary breakfast cereal doesn't make it automatically good for you. Right. right? And then my other, you know, my other piece of advice is that the nutrition facts panel doesn't give you all the facts. It hides important information and tells you nothing about where those nutrients are coming from, right? So fiber, for example, right? You may be like, oh, look at this is very high fiber, but but the fiber comes from inulin, which is an additive, and and that you know, and it's and it's you know presented to you in a bar, for example, that also has trans fats and six types of sugar and all you know, like right, the okay. delivery vehicle matters as well. And, you know, and, and even around sugar content, um, sugar, you know, isn't bad if it comes from whole fruit. You know, in some cases, you might see a higher sugar content in an apple if you were to have a nutrition panel on that versus, you know, a candy bar. But it's, it, but it's kind of where, what, what travels with, with that sugar. What's more, many artificial sweeteners that aren't good for us at all can by law be excluded from the nutrition facts panel. So you could be eating a food that lists no sugar, tastes super sweet, but is counterproductive to health. You have to go back to the ingredient list. That is where the information is. Is today's deceptive food landscape part of the motivation behind creating Step 1 Foods? It absolutely is. I mean, part of it was to help my patients achieve specific health goals. But, you know, as I, you know, alluded to earlier, we live in this dysfunctional food environment and it's really, really hard. For people to do and and so I was sending them to the grocery store like go oh, you know like don't go to the restaurants like buy things at the grocery store someone's got to do something why not me right. and here I am oh that's fantastic I really love this now where can people get step one foods yeah so step one foods are available online they can find the products at step one foods dot com and there's there's um, information there about the clinical trial that was done at Mayo there's um, you know the whole full product listings there's also I, I write a blog um, every week about nutrition topics and um, and heart disease prevention you know my whole goal honestly is to put myself out of work so if we can just change what we eat we can we can you know eliminate heart disease as our number one killer now is there anything else you'd like to add about what we discussed today? 
people are always, well, not always, but I think people are under the impression that you have to change everything to, to attain better health, especially when it comes to nutrition. And that's not true. I mean, our study proves that, you know, two tiny changes in your, in your diet can yield medication level, you know, effects. But, but even something like eating an apple a day, you know, seems like it's not going to do much. But over the course of a year, right, we eat every single day, multiple times a day. So all of this adds up. So an apple a day translates into three bushels of apples per year. Like, That starts getting really interesting, right? That's a lot of fiber, micronutrients, antioxidants, right? And, and, And if that's done in exchange for a cookie that you normally eat in the afternoon, like that's a health transformation and sure. you just did one thing. All right. Well, thank you for your time. That was Dr. Elizabeth Clotus, a cardiologist and founder of Step One Foods. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit steponefoods.com. That's step one spelled O-N-E foods.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station.